One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. What's particularly intriguing to you about this case? It's so much easier to look at a world that is just God and the devil and us caught between. And an unexplained disappearance and murder is perfect fodder for that. And I love a good unsolved mystery. Welcome to Killer Questions. I'm your host, Darren Karp, and today we're talking about the mysterious, and I mean mysterious, case of Jeanette De Palma and all the tragedy that has surrounded her. On a warm summer night in 1972, 16-year-old Jeanette De Palma says goodbye to her parents and leaves home to visit a friend. She's never heard from again. The factors contributing to Jeanette's disappearance are complicated and mysterious with theories of occult involvement swirling around the community. On this episode, I'm super excited and thrilled to be talking to Michelle Ballinger. She is a world-renowned occult expert and a psychic medium. Let's get right into it. On August 3rd, 1956, Jeanette De Palma is born in Springfield, New Jersey, to Salvatore and Florence De Palma. Jeanette grows up in a big... Italian family. Her parents have five daughters and three sons. Now, the entire family is very religious, and Jeanette is thought of by her relatives as being very committed to her evangelical Christian faith, doing her best to help out the underprivileged members of her community, volunteering with drug addicts in rehab, and trying to help guide people to Jesus. Jeanette's friends have a bit of a different outlook on her faith, though. Although she regularly attends church, they think her attendance is mostly due to pressure from her parents rather than her own innate desire to go. In fact, some of her friends even describe her as a little bit of a wild girl. On August 7th, 1972, 16-year-old Jeanette leaves home, telling her parents she's going to take the train to visit a friend. This is the last time Jeanette's family sees or hears from her. She never makes it to her friend's house and never returns home that night. 
At first, the police are unable to find any sign of Jeanette. About a month after she disappears, September 9th, one of De Palma's neighbors is walking their dog in a nearby wooded area called the Hoodale Quarry. The dog wanders off and returns with a bone that his owner recognizes as belonging to a human arm. Can you imagine this? Yikes. The owner immediately calls the police. An investigation team is dispatched to search the quarry. There is an extremely jagged cliff with a steep drop within the Hoodale Quarry known by locals as the Devil's Teeth. As this ominously named cliff, the team discovers a body face down, fully clothed. The body is too far in decomposition to be recognizable and is taken in for examination. The medical examiner is able to determine through dental records that the remains belong to Jeanette, but is unable to find any other clues as to how she might have met her end. Several of the search and rescue workers at the site where Jeanette's body is found report sightings of occult paraphernalia. While there are a number of these reports, they all seem to differ just enough to cast doubt on whether any of these artifacts existed at all. None are ever photographed or taken as evidence. But why would so many people fabricate a similar story? Jeanette's body shows no signs of physical damage, in part due to the fact that it's just too decomposed to make out the presence of any flesh wounds, nor can the ME find any sign of trauma like bullet holes or even fractured bones. Reports do show higher than normal levels of lead in her body, but the medical examiner, Emmy, is unable to determine a cause. At the scene, investigators find some of the contents of Jeanette's purse, including innocuous items like a lipstick and a compact mirror, things you'd expect in a purse. Now, it's important to note here that Jeanette's purse itself is not found with her body, nor is her wallet. Her cross necklace is also missing from around her neck. Immediately after her body is found, locals start to worry if this young woman's death could mean the entire community is in danger. Perhaps any one of them could be the next satanic sacrifice. But are their worries about Satanism and witchcraft even founded? There are a ton of unanswered questions when it comes to the story, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to dig in to see what we can find out. Okay, so let me introduce you to my guest, Michelle Ballinger. She's a published author who wrote The Dictionary of Demons along with The Psychic Vampire Codex, which sounds like my new memoir title, I gotta say. We're so excited to have the opportunity to pick her brain about this absolutely puzzling case. Thanks for being here, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to digging in. I mean, I just have so many questions for you about life, but uh, let's focus on Jeanette here. Well, what drew you, let me get a little bit about your background. What drew you initially to kind of researching cults in the first place? Well, my degree is in comparative religious studies with a concentration in psychology of religion. And my specialty is what we call new religious movements and honestly what like pop culture calls cults. So all of the different like fringe things from Scientology to Wicca, which frequently get mistaken for really scary, harrowing things and in many cases are just people doing their own thing that isn't nearly as spooky as folks make it out to be. Uh, So I, over the years, have been a media liaison for folks who 
you know, the kid was listening to heavy metal and was actually really into Ozzy Osbourne and so yeah. put some stuff from the albums on his room walls, but people were sure that meant he was worshiping the devil. Someone once told me that the difference between, or I heard this somewhere, the difference between a religion and a cult is that the religious leaders tend to be dead and cult leaders tend to still be alive. What is the difference between a cult and a religion? There's two definitions. If you're talking okay. purely from religious studies, uh, a cult is just a variety of a religion. It's an early development stage where okay. it is when you have a charismatic founder or leader who is starting to establish their belief system. Uh, inherently, not necessarily a bad thing. But as far as pop culture goes, mm -hmm. when we hear cult, we think cult leaders, we think Jonestown, we think sure. um, like the Halbop suicide cult, we have a very negative idea of it. Uh, so when it comes to the Jeanette De Palma case, when we're talking about cult activity, what we're looking at is, is there something dangerous here that revolves around somebody's beliefs or practices? What has this case, Jeanette De Palma I'm talking about now, what is What's particularly intriguing to you about this case? I I love true crime and I love a good unsolved mystery. And yeah. in her case, we've, we've got that. Like we've got this mysterious disappearance. She's 16. She goes out. She's never heard from again. Uh, it seems on the surface that she belongs to a happy, tight-knit family, really big family. Uh, and by the time they find her body, we don't have answers for how she died. She's too decomposed. All I can say is thank you for joining us because your questions, I feel like, are my questions and we need an expert in here. So let's just get right into it. Based on how she's found, Michelle, what, if anything, can we take from her cross being missing? I mean, is this a sign of anything or are we just kind of trying to find context clues here? I think the cross being missing could mean a lot of different things most of those are not connected to cult activity. Uh, one can assume it was probably gold or silver, so mm. it's a possibility it was stolen. Right. There's a possibility that she herself took it off at some point, depending on what she was going out to the woods to do, if she was meeting up with someone. If she was pursued and someone grabbed her, it could have been ripped off. Uh, if we want to like lean into, is this actually cult activity? Uh, would someone be compelled to take her cross off before using her body in some sort of nefarious ritual? Honestly, unlikely. Okay. The cross seems really incidental. We're talking about early 1970s here. This is pre-satanic panic era, right? Can you expand a little bit on that? Like, what's How did that sort of Satan, satanic panic kind of start? When did it start? And like, what were people thinking about that stuff at this time in the 70, early 70s? We're most familiar with it in the 80s and the 90s and spilling into the 2000s. But the, the satanic panic, the foundation is laid before that. So for some context, in 1966, a fellow named Anton Zander LaVey founds the Church of Satan. Uh, now, it's not meant to be like we actually literally worship the real devil. Uh, that particular group is about subverting expectations that folks have for religion to sort of turn it all on its head. A lot of it is theater. Uh, and in the middle 60s, it's taken more as theater. But as we go 
through a tumultuous time um, in the U.S. and in the world at large with the civil rights movement and the hippie movement, there's a lot of pushback against what are seen as radical attitudes toward freedom, toward sexual freedom, toward uh, abandoning traditional religious values. There's a pushback from the Jesus movement, mm. uh, which begins to really get steam, um, and we recognize it now as the evangelical movement. Uh, one thing that stands out to me with Jeanette is the family is evangelical. It's this big Italian family, which on the surface you'd expect to be Catholic, but they, they've converted right. to this. So we're at a time, we're at a time where we've got a Christian movement that is starting to push back against beliefs, behaviors, and traditions that they find threatening to their faith, uh, things that are pushing back against what they see as traditional conservative and pure values. Some of that is the Church of Satan. Some of that is heavy metal music. Some of that is the, the hippie free love. And by the early 70s, this is starting to like really hit a fevered pitch. We're talking about 1972 here when Jeanette goes missing. Was this sort of I know this is a little bit pre, but was this common stories of murder by satanic ritual in that era? Or is this kind of sort of the first of its kind that we've been seeing? It's not the first accusation, uh, but it is one of the leading like early ones. Part of the other elements going on at this time, Rosemary's baby and mm -hmm. Roman Polanski's wife being the like final victim and this is where we start to see this flashpoint of, oh, all of the rumors are true. All of the bad B-movies are true. There really are Satanists, and they are hippies, and they are radicals, and they are out here to destroy our children and our values. And one key thing, and I think the timing with Rosemary's Baby, because we're, we're pre The Exorcist, that's 73. I was going to say, that's a big thing, The Exorcist, yeah. That, that had an enormous impact, but, but this is before that. Rosemary's Baby sets the stage that the Satanists are your neighbors. Are amongst us. Yeah. They, they no longer are like weird, wicked witches that are meeting in uh, the woods at night. They are just... A person you could pass on the street, they look like everybody else, and anyone is suspect, and anyone can be a victim. So maybe you answered this next question here, but why do you think it is that people were so quick to say that it was a cult? I feel like people read on any little thing that could, you know, a candle's burning, they had a black cat, lyrics from Ozzy Osbourne. Why is it that so people are so quick to just want it to be this Satan taking over thing. What is our fascination with that about? I mean, part of it is we don't want to think about the very ordinary evil in the world around us. When a child goes missing, when a 16-year-old girl that everybody thought was prim and proper is murdered or right. seems to be murdered, you need something to blame. And people will invent a boogeyman rather than wrestle with the possibility that maybe she overdosed. Maybe she met up with someone who did something terrible to her and she knew that person. So you're kind of saying that is subconsciously or consciously, maybe our brain's way of just putting the blame on other things as opposed to maybe just like drug overdosing, rape, incest, uh, murder, these types of things. When it's big cosmic struggles between good and evil, it 
gives us a sense of closure that the reality, the gray space of human ethics and morality often does not provide. Early on in the investigation, detectives are able to hunt down one single lead from the public. A homeless man known as Red who lives in the woods where Jeanette's body is discovered. One of the area locals claims to have seen Red fleeing the campsite home in the woods shortly after Jeanette is reported missing. Upon further investigation, detectives decide that Red has absolutely nothing to do with Jeanette's death. And police are unable to find a single new lead, and the case just goes cold. Due to the extremely mysterious circumstances of Jeanette's death, this case generates a great deal of attention and speculation from the public. One angle in particular draws a lot of attention from the community. The idea that Jeanette's death may have been part of a satanic ritual. We've heard this before, people. Newspaper reports begin cropping up, stating that during the initial search of the Hoodale Quarry, some disturbing artifacts are found near Jeanette's remains. One such article in the Daily Journal quotes one of the searchers as stating, Pieces of wood were crossed on the ground over her head. More wood framed the body like a coffin. These reports seem to be describing fallen tree branches that may possibly be intentionally arranged, but also may have just simply fallen on the ground at random and resembled a vaguely rectangular shape. I mean, if you throw sticks up in the air, likelihood that they're going to end up looking like crosses is probably pretty high. But other articles state the presence of a pentagram and other occult items, although no further description of the items are given. However, each account seems to have differing reports of what occult items are present at the scene, as well as their arrangement in relation to Jeanette's body. This kind of reminds me of the game of Telephone, where like the moment you say it, it's the moment it's just getting misconstrued here. But all the reports hinting at occult activity are rather vague, but seem dead set on the idea that Jeanette was indeed the victim of a ritual killing. Some of these publications even warn the community of a possible coven that exists in the area. Citing discoveries of burnt candles, bowls of blood, and dead animals being discovered in the vicinity. Jeanette's death is often written about in conjunction with another crime that takes place nine months prior. You've probably heard of this crime. Growing up in New Jersey, I certainly did. On November of 1971, John List of Westfield, New Jersey, murdered his mother, wife, and three children in their home before disappearing without a trace. Like in Jeanette's case, the media hyperfixated on one single element of the List murders. John's 16-year-old daughter, Patricia, owned a number of books about witchcraft. In this case, investigators lean heavily on the idea Patricia is, you know, practice is a practicing witch, that the family's killings may have been linked to the same coven said to haunt the area. And John List is actually not apprehended until 1989. After his capture, John cites financial troubles as his motive for the murders, as well as belief that he was sending his family to be with God in order to save them from the embarrassment of poverty. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. While an outspoken portion of the community seems sure of the idea that Jeanette is the victim of some form of satanic ritual abuse— all the evidence cited appears to be circumstantial at best, and no insights are ever gleaned from the ideas of occult practices or the possibility that this case might be linked to others where SRA is suspected. Michelle, you mentioned that the De Palmas come from this evangelical background and that they live in this very tight-knit community. Why is occultism something that people in this community are that concerned with? So, occultism... The very word means secret, hidden. And in tight-knit, especially conservative communities, anything that is different, that Mm. doesn't fit the sort of Stepford wife perfection, uh, looks scary. It is subversive. It pushes back against things. There's some accusations, or at least rumors, that Jeanette De Palma was actually kind of a little wild child. And that she went to church and she, like, towed the line, but not necessarily willingly. Uh, Occult involvement, possession, demonic influence, these become very convenient excuses in places where families want their children to be a cookie cutter of their expectations. If the kids turn out goth, gay, just not the right flavor of Christian— It's not because the kid made a different choice than the parents. It's because the kid has somehow been corrupted by an evil cult bent to steal the children from the parents. But are there any real documented cases of SRA that occur in the area around the time of Jeanette's death? Or are they just saying that about Jeanette? Nothing that I was able to find. There were... In another wild space, there were uh, claims that mutilated animals were found um, hanging from trees. 
I'm trying not to make light of it. Like, I think that people like see a burning candle and they see a cross and they're like, oh, Satan's here. And, you know, people who speak to the media about this case said that they witnessed, as I mentioned to you, they witnessed burned candles, slaughtered animals, other sort of occulty paraphernalia around their neighborhoods. Is this possible that it's not circumstantial of these things? Is it possible that there might be sort of a coven nearby, if that's the right word here? I, I Maybe I'm wrong about the language, but is it possible that this was there? There was a thriving magical subculture in New York City at this time, um, certainly spilling out. Like, we, we are close enough to New York City. There is a huge witchcraft movement happening. Uh, folks are starting, uh, as part of the hippie movement, honestly, like, exploring different faith structures and belief practices that are outside of the Christian box. Uh, So could there be people who were performing rituals? Almost certainly there were, you know, groups of people, individuals who were practicing any variety of things that would involve everything from candles to ritually placed stones to uh, consecrated blades. Uh, There's so many different bits of imagery that could be taken as satanic. Uh, Wiccans and witches, for example, use a five-pointed star as one of their sacred symbols. Satanists, specifically Anton Xander LaVey's Satanism, use an almost identical star but turned upside down. And if you Mm. don't know the difference, you can't tell the difference. I mean, but how often are these types of communities killing people. I mean, how often is part of this ritual, like, we got to sacrifice a human now? It, it's just not, especially when you're talking like pagans, Wiccans. Uh, right. They are some of the earliest vegans I ever met. <laughs> if that's like like life and a... They a cherish kind of, it. They value it. Yeah. Uh, and, and even, like, I keep saying Anton Xander LaVey because, you know, he is sort of the poster child at this time for Satanism. But he is making a statement with his Church of Satan that religion is theater, campy theater that distracts us from the world we currently live in. Um, Levian Satanism is not theistic Satanism. They're not worshiping the devil as an actual real being. They are pointing out that all of these icons we've developed from religion are just illusions. Uh, And in a lot of ways, they're making fun of it. In Levian Satanism, uh, one of the rituals involves using a naked woman as an altar. She is not killed, uh, and her position in that is more as a a venerated symbol of creation and life and decadence and sex and liberation. Why are there so many kind of contradictory reports of the occult paraphernalia in the vicinity of Jeanette's body? Is it that they people want to just pile on and kind of be like, oh, yeah, I saw a candle. I saw this. I saw that. I mean, if it even existed, wouldn't the reports of what was at the site at least be somewhat similar as opposed to 900 different things that people keep saying? Yeah, if it wasn't basically urban legend in the making, you would expect some very consistent reports. Also, you'd expect them to line up with the actual crime scene photos. Because on the surface, you hear Jeanette Palma was killed by a satanic cult. She was on a ritual. 
and it was an altar in the woods, and there are stones ranged around her, and there were sticks that were turned into upside-down crosses, and her cross was missing, and ooh, that's terrible. Okay, so you would expect the crime scene location to be a place where they had cleared space to lay out this this human that they were ostensibly murdering, Right. that there would be a recognizable pattern of stones, which they had arranged in some capacity near her or around her, that the sticks would look a little bit more than, I don't know, a couple of sticks fell out of a tree and they're just sort of sitting there and somebody is like, oh, sure, that kind of looks like a cross. And right. I mean, anything could be a cross at that point in the woods. At, at that point, like it really felt like the few people who were on the scene who were like, oh, yeah, I saw I saw a couple of sticks like that. Like they were they were grasping at straws. Literally, her body, yeah. the location looks like a body dump. It is not clear or clean by any stretch. Her, her body's just kind of dumped around a couple of big logs. There's a lot of underbrush. There's a lot of leaves. Uh, I saw no evidence at all of an arrangement of stones that would have been anything other than accidental. The answer to like, why do people lie? Like the, the first one is someone genuinely saw something and misinterpreted what they were looking at. Sure. For, for whatever reason. The like they're, yeah. They're, they're, their context is different. They just don't quite know what they're looking for. And, and they report what they believe they saw. Right. You've got right. folks who weren't actually there, got information secondhand, and decided to be an expert and go, well, obviously this is actually a ritual dump because there were stones there and blah, blah, blah. And there is the third part of person who enjoys it, enjoys making stories, enjoys seeing the impact, like inserts themselves into something dramatic and world-changing for people in honestly a fairly dysfunctional and destructive way. Uh, yeah. But their motivation is is in part to just not get attention for themselves, but to see and live vicariously through the attention their story garners. Wow. That's just going to fuck up the whole case, Michelle. I mean, my God. The detectives in charge of Jeanette's case are not convinced that satanic ritual abuse or any form of occultism factor into her death. And inform the media that the area where her body is discovered is a party spot for local teenagers. One working theory is that Jeanette accidentally overdosed while with her friends, who panic and just leave her body at the quarry. However, photos of the scene show a wooded area overgrown with plant life containing no evidence of partying or disturbance whatsoever. You'd think you'd see footprints or, you know, plants kind of matted down and we don't see any of that. Jeanette's family still holds out hope that they will one day learn what happened to her. I do, too. While the case has gone cold, members of the De Palma family are still actively searching for clues. Although the two never got the opportunity to meet, Jeanette's nephew, Ray, has never stopped hunting for answers for his aunt's disappearance. Ray states, quote, I didn't know my aunt, but I feel sad for my family. I saw what it did to my mom and her sisters. Ray spends a great deal of time looking for clues as to what might have befallen Jeanette and is adamantly against the idea that she died of a drug overdose. Stating, quote, that's not what happened. My aunt was no angel, but she wasn't a drug addict, end quote. However, Ray does not believe that his aunt's death had anything to do with satanic ritual abuse either. Instead, he believes that Jeanette is the victim of murder, plain and simple. 
it's still hopeful that one day her killer will be caught and the mystery will be solved. Michelle, are there any signs of drugs in Jeanette's system when her body is found that we know of? I know that they found elevated levels of lead, but they couldn't explain why. Uh, And uh, again, I've got to stress, like, the level of decomposition was such that they had to identify her through dental records. And there were, there was not enough soft tissue remaining in any condition for them to see if she had been struck, if she had been cut. There's no, no, no way to measure that. Um, There's rumors that as a bit of a wild child, maybe she did a little drinking and a little stuff on the side. Is there any evidence that we know that perhaps she dies at a different location and maybe her body is dumped there? Maybe her friends get scared after they perform something and kind of bring her body to this quarry to just make it seem like she killed herself or she fell or anything like that? I didn't see anybody discussing evidence of that. But I mean, I use the term body dump because that was my initial impression looking at the pictures. Now, that is me as I am not law enforcement. I was not present. This is totally armchair theorizing. It would not surprise me if this was a body dump and she had died somewhere else. Uh, Now, there is the matter of her purse and the contents of her purse. Right. They find some contents of the purse, but not the purse. Yeah, never the purse. So the purse and the cross are missing. Both of those have interesting implications. Uh, This could have been a robbery um, or someone robbed her after the fact or this is someone who knew her. Mm. And those items had import to that person for some reason, um, either connected that person to her uh, or could help to identify them. Uh, And there's a lot of reasons why those two objects could be missing, but it really feels like there's something personal there. Especially finding only some items in the purse, but not the purse itself. And the cross, you know, could have a huge implication of just an item that, you know, she liked and was close to her. What would it take for Jeanette's death to be considered a homicide? Well, they they would need to find evidence that she was murdered, uh, which... We're not going to find because of the decomposition, you're saying. Given what they... Given the ability that they had to examine the body in 1972, they were unable to even confirm if there had been sexual activity. There were reportedly some stains on her bra and her underwear. But again, uh, not to get too icky about it, but bodies get very uh, seepy uh, as they decompose. So stains on her clothes should not be shocking at all. Actually, if there were no stains on her clothes, that would be weirder. Now... It would almost take exhuming her now to look at her remains with a more, with the modern arsenal of technology that we have. We might be able to pick up very small nicks on bones, say, if she was stabbed. Uh, There's no broken bones, so she wasn't strangled or assaulted. You would expect the hyoid bone to be broken, at least in strangulation. Um, But right now we have cause of death uncertain. It's interesting that no bones were broken, though, because she's in this quarry called Devil's Teeth. I mean, that to me kind of says if I even like step one foot wrong, I'm going to get 
cut up or fall and break a bone, a nick, a something. Isn't it a little odd she doesn't have any broken bones? It's another thing that really argues in favor of the theory that it was someone she knew. She wasn't running away from them because you would expect in that location she could have hurt herself just falling down, just twisting an ankle. Um, Right. And again, that's conjecture, but the picture paints, why would she go out to this remote location um, if that is where she was actually killed? Uh, She wouldn't do that unless someone she knew or trusted asked her to go there with them. Uh, There was some conjecture that the local kids that would go out and smoke and drink would meet in this space or near to this space in the woods. So if she was one of those kids, like sneaking away from evangelical parents and actually having uh, a a party life on the side, maybe this was someplace that she frequented. Right. But I would also expect that specific location, if they were partying right there, and that is where she overdosed or she whatever, I would expect there to be, you know, bottle caps, the, the, the leavings of partying, cigarette butts, and... There's no note for those in any of the crime scene photos either. There's not even really a disturbance in the in the foliage or whatever of where me people might have had either a ritual or have been kind of hanging out. I mean, it just sort of seems almost like this untouched kind of area, no? Like it just she just yeah. disappears almost. Yeah, she's she's just laying there. It begs so, so the big question with that though is given the remote location and how hazardous Given the remote location and how hazardous it is to get through and navigate these devil's teeth, this big cliff with the right. very, you know, very sensational name, uh, if somebody had killed her somewhere else, they would have to have carried her to dump her in that location, which means that they would have to be fairly strong if it was only one person, if it's multiple people, they still have to navigate that space to drop her off there, which raises a lot of other questions as well. And I guess I'm just wondering, like, let's say, hypothetically, someone, some people, killer, navigate their way to this devil's teeth and just kind of like, toss her down, you know, to make it look like she fell or whatever. Wouldn't she have some sort of broken bones? Like, wouldn't that be the natural assumption there? I, if they if they carried her and they just like literally just tossed her, her out, no, yeah, not really. Yeah. Um, un- unlikely for there to be broken bones with with that. There would have to be a fair amount of force. Uh, I mean, if she went tumbling over the cliff, that would be a very very different story. Uh, right. Know, if she was bludgeoned. That's the thing is like if she was struck in the head, there would be evidence that would be pretty obvious on the skull. Uh, so there's no indication that she was subdued unless she was drugged or drunk. Uh, and it, everything about it raises more questions than it answers. From everything that you've sort of seen, what do you think happened to Jeanette if you had to put money down? Obviously, this is all alleged because we'll never know. But if you had to guess, what's your best bet? I have, I have a theory that I don't think anyone's put forward yet. Given Mm. the number of assertions from law enforcement locally that this was absolutely ritual abuse, that this was satanic, that there were people who were on the scene who not only perpetuated uh, 
false statements about how her body was found and like the state of the location around her body, but then doubled down on it. It made me really wonder if someone with connections or someone in law enforcement didn't have a connection to what happened to her. When you say it like that, it does seem like this diversion or distraction from what actually might have happened. It just seems like this sensational headline and we're just going to call it as that and blame the local kids or whatever of being, you know, crazy and wild as opposed to actually solving this case for Jeanette De Palma. Absolutely. And it's partly because it's thrilling. It creates, again, clear good and evil. It creates a world that makes sense that we have control and closure over. You find the evil person. You don't have to ask why they would ever do something like this to a 16-year-old because you know they did it because they're evil, because Satan told them to. And the, the nuance of, frankly, really complicated, messed up human morals and actions, that's... It's so much easier to look at a world that is just God and the devil and us caught between. Black and white and the devil is in the details. And that is just people need a simple solution. They need an Occam's razor because they can't possibly imagine anything, uh, anything else. Um, Michelle, you know, I'd like to say, do you still have any killer questions about this case? But it sounds like both of you and I still have the same fucking questions that we kind of came in here with, because I don't think we're ever going to really know the answer to how Jeanette Palma died. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that could add anything new to it would be if they exhumed her body and like, you know, ran as many tests as we have available to us now to see if there's evidence of violence that was overlooked in 72. And even then, I don't think it would tell us why she was there or who she met with. 50 years later, it does seem like a hopeless, hopeless cause. And that is why I just this case deserves she deserves justice for whatever happened to her. She deserves it. And I'm just worried we're never going to get it. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with me about my questions around this case. You shed a lot of light on a lot of the mysterious theories out there. We'll continue to keep an eye on any developments in this case and hope that one day the mystery of Jeanette's death will be solved. For you guys listening to the show, what are your killer questions for this case? You can message me on social media at Carpe Darren. I'm Darren Carp. Thanks for listening to Killer Questions. For even more true crime from ID, head to Discovery Plus. Go to discoveryplus.com slash killer questions to start your seven-day free trial today. That's discoveryplus.com slash killer questions. Terms apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 